1: From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the bald-faced
0: truth. I love having our next guest on. He's a normal human being, and you know what? Not everybody in the press box is a normal human being. I'm here to tell you that. I may end up being the biggest weirdo of them all, but I, I find myself at halftime or before the game talking with Matt Preem, 24-7 Sports, uh, for people who... Follow Matt, who read Matt, you know he is a regular guy, got a family, plays some golf. You know, he, he gets it. He gets it. You can get him at uh, on Twitter, at Matt Prem. You can read him as the duckbeat reporter at 24-7 Sports. Does a fantastic job covering the team. He's there all the time. I got so many questions for him on this week of Football. Oregon, Oregon State, Saturday, 1230, Research Stadium. Matt Preem joining us. Hey, man, uh, Bo Nix, first of all, let's go back to Sat last Saturday. Impressed with what Oregon did with him or mostly impressed but uh, worried this week?
1: Um, I think if they get to the Pac-12 championship game and if and it may even require them to win – and get to the Rose Bowl. But if that scenario plays out, what happened Saturday at Utah will be a game that in 5, 10, 15, 20 years, everyone will claim that they were at to see Bo Nix on on one ankle, will himself and the team to a victory over a top-10 Utah team to save the season.
0: I thought Kenny Dillingham's game plan for him was really smart, quick passes, get rid of the ball. I tweeted, you know, three-step drops, but then I realized it's not even a three-step drop. He's in the shotgun. He was catching the ball a lot of times, taking one step and throwing.
1: Yeah, he couldn't move. Um, I I don't know if, if most people can appreciate anyone who has played a sport and has had the injury that he has, which is a high, which is an ankle sprain, pretty bad ankle sprain, can appreciate what he did. But if you've not gone through truly a really bad ankle sprain, it, that is hard. You, you can't cut the throw he, he'd made to Dante Thornton on the move. That was like 58 yards. That's one of his best throws all year, the throw to, to Terrence Ferguson. Uh, I think in, in the third quarter, down the sideline, when he scrambled out a little bit, again, one of his best throws all year because he can't plant. And that's what he said today at practice was everything was so limited because he, he couldn't really drive the football down the football field. He couldn't build the base that you need to throw the ball that far. And, yeah, it, it was all shotgun uh, they they never once went under center, and I, I I'm real curious to see what kind of growth from a health standpoint he can make in a week. Um, I I almost kind of expect a similar game plan from from Morgan against Oregon State, just because not enough time has passed for for that to to make a substantial you know. Improvement from a health standpoint. Yeah, maybe he's he can move a, a little bit better, but I, I still wonder how much of what they did Saturday at Utah against Utah is going to show up again uh, at Oregon State.
0: Matt, uh, you got a chance to hear from Bo Nix. What is he saying about you know how much better he can get in six or seven days?
1: Yeah, he he said today that he he felt a lot better. Than he did at this point last week. Um, He has he he referenced an injury he suffered in high school, and he also referenced an injury last year at 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 Auburn that ended his season and his career for the Tigers. um, Of understanding, this is what you need to do to get back. This is what it's going to feel like pushing through it. Um, He was in positive spirits today. Um, you know, I happened to look at his ankles, and you know, if if you didn't know that he was hurt, you know, he he didn't have any heavy heavy tape jobs on. He didn't. He wasn't walking in a boot. You know, he seemed to be you know better. Now we'll see what happens when Oregon State's terrific defense is bearing down on him.
0: Oregon State does a nice job making offenses uncomfortable, and I mean, it's hard to argue with the success they had, but I think this is going to be a really close, great game just because offensively, I don't know how, you know, I don't think Oregon State is going to score at will against Oregon either. The uh, The defensive adjustments that you saw from the Ducks against Utah last week, is Dan Lanning taking a bigger role?
1: Good question. Uh, it certainly looked like it when you watched the game on rewatch for TV purposes or if you were watching it. Um, on TV, they they showed him more being involved. He was asked that question. He didn't answer it. That it was a team effort. Um, I I also think Utah and Oregon State will be in a similar boat here. That they're a better matchup for Oregon's strengths on defense. You know, Oregon's good against the run. You know, if if you're relying. On intermediate and short passing game situations, that's good too for for Oregon's defense. Utah didn't have the ability to break the you know go over the top and do what UW did, um, or if Oregon wins, do what USC will try and do against Oregon. Um, and I don't see that at Oregon State either. Um, and you know Musgrave potentially being out, I think he's that's up in the air, probably not playing. Is going to hurt Oregon State. Um, I, I don't think I, – I would say Rising is by far a better quarterback than what Oregon State has. So I like the matchup for Oregon, you know, defensively. It's just at the same time, hey, you have to give credit, though, to their offensive line at Oregon State and their run game. and They've got really good running backs, and they've got a freshman that, that's tremendous. And, you know, he's putting up a lot of yards. He's putting up touchdowns. And I, I think he's probably in maybe that maybe he's taken over from Jaden Ott of becoming the league's freshman of the year offensively. Um, he's pretty impressive. I, 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 I like their their running attack. I just don't I, I don't think it I think it plays into Oregon's strength here. And Utah threw like 30 something 40 times for only 187 yards or something like that. That's not good. And if you're Oregon State, you've got to figure out a way to go over the top and and push the ball downfield because if you're going to play the dink and dunk type stuff, you're ultimately going to make a mistake, much like Cam Rising did multiple times. That's how Oregon's defense wins is making you drive the length of the field with a 13- or a 12-play drive, and they just feel like ultimately you're going to make a mistake and Oregon's playmakers will will tip a ball at the line of scrimmage or – You'll drop a pass and it'll get intercepted, or a quarterback will throw an errant throw on a third down that sets up a, you know, a fourth and long, and you got a punt. That, that's how they win. And you know, if you can't score quick, you, know, you play into Oregon's strength, and that's the biggest question I have for for this game defensively for Oregon.
0: Matt Prame, twenty four seven sports with us uh, covers the Oregon Ducks. What does this game mean to Oregon? That's
1: a good question. Um, because they've won eight of the last ten, and I think all but like three of those have been a more than a one-score game, and and maybe they've you know maybe Oregon State's kept it closer than the odds makers projected it to be, but it's still you know it's still been a a game that Oregon has won you know where there's it, it's not taken to the final drive of the game. Um, this season, it should mean a lot for Oregon because they have a chance to kind of right the ship, beat Oregon State. Last time they played in Reese Stadium was in that Fog Bowl of 2020 when, you know, Oregon played terrible and they gave up a, a late score, and you know, that, that was kind of a turnaround for Jonathan Smith and the Beavers. That was also a game where fans weren't allowed in the stands, and they drove to the stadium afterwards, and honked their, their, their horns and made car parades around Reeser Stadium celebrating the win, and, you know, that, that was a, a bad moment in Oregon football. So I think for the players that were on this team, it's getting revenge from that, getting back to the Pac-12 championship game for a fourth time, and if you can end your season with a Rose Bowl trip, I think you've exceeded kind of your expectations for this season, even though we thought maybe the playoffs were, were likely
0: three weeks ago. You know, Oregon State, I think, will, you know, they've been tough at home. The home field has meant a lot in this conference. I, I, I am, uh, you know, going back and forth in this game, Matt, you and I last week I think were among the few in the press box who picked Oregon to win, and we were talking to each other before the game, like, you know, <laughs> are we out in left field here? And, in fact, we had the same score for our prediction. Yeah. You know, it was a, we had a one-point win. We had a close game, and it ended up being a close game. This one's going to be close again, in my view. I, I'm leaning Oregon State right now, like 28-27. I think it's going to be that kind of game. What kind of game do you see when you think about scoring? I think I
1: wonder if, if Oregon can score 24 points, I think they're going to win. Be, just because I, I don't. I don't think Oregon State's quarterback play is good enough where they're going to go over the top. And I don't think they've got the playmakers to go over the top unless there's just complete breakdowns in the secondary, which we've seen. Look, that that, that happens. We have seen that happen this season. But they don't have Washington's receivers. They don't have Arizona's receivers. Um And so it's going to rely on the run game, which to me feels it just goes right into what Oregon's good at. You know, Sewell is really good against the run. He's not particularly good against the pass. Jeffrey Bossa is good against the run. He hasn't been good this season against the pass. Bennett is more of a run defender, you know, first than he is pass defense uh, at at safety. D.J. Johnson and Mace Funa off the edges are, are better against the run than they are in coverage. So much of Oregon's defense is built around stopping the run that that just kind of plays into Oregon's strength, and that feels like what Oregon State's strength is too. So yeah. I think if Oregon can score 24 points, they're going to have a really good chance at winning. If they get over 30, I have a hard time seeing Oregon State follow, You know, keep up with that. Um, this game needs to be played in the low 20s, I think, for Oregon State to, to get this win. And, you know, look, their defense the last five games is averaging – uh, 12 points allowed and you can point at it and say well look who they're playing it's it, it's washington state it, it's cal its danford uh, it's arizona state and then you throw in washington as well you know four teams that are kind of bad to very average to and then one good team and you can say well they're you know they're just playing up you know they're, they're beating up the, the little guys in the conference and that's true but at this point in the season, you are who you are, and when when you only average twelve points a game allowed over a five game period, I don't care who you play. That's good. They're doing something right. They they simulate pressures really well. They play four quarter defense. Um, they are talented. They don't make you. Uh, they make you go the length of the field because they don't give up big plays. They are first in the conference and in oh, the least amount of plays of 10 or more yards this season. Um, so they make you go dink and dunk all the way through. And, you know, I, 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 it, it's shaping up, in my opinion, to be a defensive game. In modern-day college football, though, that could be mid-20s. And if it, if it gets above 24, I just have a hard time seeing Oregon State uh, score enough.
0: Finally, before I cut you loose, your Coach of the Year in the Pac-12 Um, You know, the coaches now will be allowed to vote after the championship game, which could change uh, things here. You're going to see a week plus a championship game. But who are the strong candidates right now in your mind when you think coach of the year in the Pac-12?
1: Boy, this has changed quite a bit. Um, I think three weeks ago it was pretty close to being Chip Kelly. Um, I think – Johnson Smith should be in the discussion. I just don't think he's going to get it. Ultimately, if Oregon or USD well, – I guess USD is in the conference championship game already. But if, if Oregon gets there, too, I think it's just going to be the winner between those two schools. So Lincoln Riley at USD or Dan Lanning at Oregon. Um, I, I – Kellen DeBoer should should be in the conversation, but at the same time, I kind of feel like, like the extension that happened today, that feels very much like, uh, hey, let's reward the guy. He just beat Oregon. Let's fend off Nebraska. But if Bo Nix doesn't get hurt and Alex Forsythe doesn't get hurt in that Washington game, I don't feel like Oregon loses. I think they score that touchdown late in the game instead of taking the field goal. Um, and, and now all of a sudden the, the Washington season looks a little bit different. Um, so I, I would think Lincoln Riley is probably the favorite right now. Um, but if, if Oregon wins the Rose Bowl, I think what we saw from – or wins the conference championship game, excuse me. What we saw week one against Georgia, 49-3, to to then going out and having one of the best offenses in the country, averaging over 40 points per game, having one of the best rushing attacks in the country, the reclamation project that Lanning has done with with Bo Nix, and wielding his team to a Rose Bowl appearance. I don't know how you say no to him being the coach of the year. Um, But I I would say right now the candidates in my eyes are Lincoln Riley, Dan Lanning, Jonathan Smith, and and then DeBoer at Washington.
0: Yeah, I don't. I can't put Kyle Winningham in this year. I think he's done a great job. I think he's a great coach, but they just didn't get the results they needed when they needed them. And they were if they do, to
1: be a playoff team, yeah, yeah, They're, everyone picked them to be a playoff team, and they've got three losses on the season now. Look, you can count injuries, but injuries happen to everybody. Oregon State's littered with them, and Oregon has been—you know—they've got two of the most important players on their team battling injuries right now. Everyone has injuries. And you find ways to maneuver those and 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 win, and unfortunately they, they've lost three times. And so, you know, I, I asked our our counterpart for Utah going into that game, just kind of what was the expectations and vibe of this of this season for for you fans because this is the year outside Salt Lake City. Everyone said, "Hey, playoffs, playoffs! They're going to be the dark horse to make the playoffs. They're going to for sure win the league." And he kind of said, "Yeah, like there's a little bit of." Disappointment because they aren't in those scenarios. Uh, they definitely are now, not in them because of losing to, to Oregon. Uh, but yeah, he admitted like this is, does feel like a down year for them because of preseason expectations.
0: Matt, I appreciate you. I will see you in the press box or the press trailer, as they say at Oregon State, and uh, what am I have I walk a
1: walk into here, John. What okay, am I walking into. I, I have a story.
0: It, it... <laughs> okay, so. Access will be, you know, parking will be fine. It'll be great. There is construction around the stadium, but there's ample parking because you're only dealing with 26,000 yahoos at this stadium because of the capacity. Okay. So it's very easy to get in. Uh, you kind of have to walk around the stadium to enter. When you get in, um, the press are the only people that are on the west side of the stadium. So you really have no problem once you get to your, you know, press uh, trailer uh, have, getting around. Um Something that I would advise you to do is, I would advise you to uh, wear a jacket. I would advise you to uh, uh, bring, uh, you know, layers because it does get chilly. Okay. Because it's not a normal uh, setting, you essentially have sto- large storage containers. You know the storage containers on Instagram? They turn them into houses and stuff. Well, oh, yeah. this is kind of like a primitive little press box made from a storage okay. container. It's got a heater in it. It's not great. I did encounter last week or a couple weeks ago they had left the windows open the night before and it rained in there and so oh, the uh, the seat I was sitting on was damp and so it was cold and damp so I ended up taking my jacket off and putting it on the seat so I would just say I would just say prepare for like you know it's not terrible it's all right they're doing the best they can with construction but it's more or less a uh portable building or a storage container with a window cut out of it and a heater inside and they put you in in there I, I, you know i kept expecting that like a forklift would pick it up and they would just move it while i was inside of it but um you know it's all right and for twelve thirty, come on it's gonna be beautiful Twelve i'm nice excited. yeah it's gonna be great
1: i mean how many times can you say you you watch the football game in a construction zone i mean that I know. that that's phenomenal i <laughs> i am I'm excited to see it. It's a, it's a building that needed a facelift. I'm happy it's getting it. And uh, I, these games are always interesting. Sometimes they're not, it doesn't mean they're good. They're always interesting. And I, yep. I can't wait to see what makes this one interesting.
0: From a media standpoint, too, you know how at Ottson, when you go down to go from the press box to the field, it'll take you sometimes, you know, they're stopping at the club level. They're stopping here. You have oh, to yeah. get out. You're walking through the crowd. When you leave that container, to go to the field, it takes you about 90 seconds to get to the field. Terrific. So you have easy the world, access.
1: The world, yeah. the world revolves around us and our our, our our tight deadlines that we have for online posting. So, you know, yep. I'm happy to hear that.
0: I also want to ask you, like, you know, how much are they charging us for the press credential? Nothing. So, you know, we have no right. <laughs> <laughs> we have no right to bellyache. I, I, one Absolutely. game, the USC game, the weather was so great. I sat out there with Nick Aliotti, and I just sat on the concrete and watched the game like I was a fan. It was fantastic.
1: Hey, as long as I've got the windows open, I'm good. I I, I, I don't like watching a football game in, in a sterile environment without the crowd noise. So yep. I hope Beaver fans bring it, make it yep. loud, make it awesome, and uh, let's have a good environment.
0: All right, Matt Preem, 24-7 Sports, I appreciate you. Have a great Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, you too, John. Thanks a lot.
0: Leave it right here. Anna's popping in next. We interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Trump to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio show. Thanks for listening.